0: Section 78 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 4, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 9, Chapter 1, Part 10, Conclusion decadence and extinction to the same cause we may at least partially ascribe the marked tendency to mitigation of punishment except in the case of political offenders and to avoid all unnecessary hardship and humiliation of culprits when in march eighteen nineteen the madrid tribunal pronounced a severe sentence on teodoro bachiller for propositions the suprema moderated it greatly in every way in order it said to make him understand its benignity in taking care of his honor and of the comfort of his family in january eighteen seventeen lorenzo aion was tried in seville for abusing a priest while celebrating mass and endeavoring to snatch away the host offenses for which of old he could scarce have escaped the stake but now he had only absolution at cautelum a reprimand two years of presidio followed by six years of exile and the suprema relieved him of the vergüenza which had been included even more marked was the case of diego Blasquez, postmaster of villanueva de la serena who with some others committed the sacrilege of burying a dog with funeral rites the lorena tribunal commenced a prosecution and sent the sumaria to the suprema which contented itself with ordering a courteous note to be addressed to the secular and ecclesiastical judges expressing a hope that they would not permit a repetition of such scandals it would be easy to multiply similar instances but these will suffice to show how completely in dealing with offences against the faith the spirit of the inquisition had been tamed and how factitious was the claim that its existence was essential for the preservation of religion when there were over half a hundred episcopal tribunals perfectly competent to try such offences and perfectly ready to treat them with greater severity meanwhile fernando's reign had continued as it commenced under the influence of a camarilla of low caste and ignoble favourites who pandered to his vices and enriched themselves by trafficking in offices and in contracts and in justice his government was a compound of brutality and imbecility and the affairs of the nation fell into complete disorder all the abuses that had flourished under godoy were intensified and coupled with persistent cruel persecution of those designated as liberals who filled the gaols through constantly recurring lists of proscriptions de martignac who as royal commissioner accompanied the duke of angoulême in the invasion of eighteen twenty three was a thoroughly well-informed and unprejudiced observer who after a vigorous description of the misgovernment of fernando sums up by saying we can conceive the influence of such a regime on the prosperity of the land and yet it is difficult to realize the extent of disorder wretchedness and weakness to which it fell it was necessary to resort to arbitrary taxes to exorbitant duties which destroyed commerce to loans raised without credit it was impossible to provide for the most pressing necessities of the state everything was neglected or abandoned the army was unpaid the navy destroyed at trafalgar remained in ruins the administration destitute of all means of action did nothing and could do nothing to improve conditions or even to preserve what there was from this arose the discontent of the people it can scarce excite surprise that the crazy enthusiasm of fernando's welcome in eighteen fourteen had evaporated the revolution of eighteen twenty during this disastrous period every year saw an attempt at revolution in eighteen fourteen it was tried at pampeluna by general mina who escaped in eighteen fifteen in galicia by porlier who was executed in eighteen sixteen in madrid by richard who shared the same fate in eighteen seventeen in catalonia by Lacey, who was shot in eighteen eighteen in valencia by vidal who was put to death again in valencia a plot was formed to break out january one eighteen nineteen but it was betrayed and thirteen of the conspirators were hanged o'donnell count of la bisbal an able soldier and unscrupulous intriguer was privy to this but averted suspicion and was appointed to command an expeditionary force collecting at cadiz for buenos aires against the revolted colony with customary negligence transports were not provided the troops lay idle for months discontent spread and a formidable conspiracy was organized which counted on la bisbal's support he concluded that loyalty was safest and seized the leading plotters for which he was rewarded with the grand cross of carlos the third but suspicion arose he was removed and replaced by the incapable count of calderon the situation however was growing impossible and revolution was in the air a portion of the troops were cantoned at las cabezas de san juan a town not far from cadiz there on january one eighteen twenty Rafael de Riego, commander of the battalion of Asturias, assembled his men, made an inflammatory harangue, and they all declared for the Constitution. He made a dash for Arcos, where he captured Calderón and three of his generals, effected a junction with the battalions Espana and Corona under Colonel Antonio Quiroga, and failed in an attack on Cadiz. Delay and irresolution followed until january twenty seventh when riego at the head of fifteen hundred men marched to Algeciras, where he remained until february seventh defeated in an attempt on malaga he reached cordova on march seventh with some five hundred despairing followers no effort was made to capture them the garrison and citizens looked on placidly while riego refreshed his men and headed for the sierra morena they dropped off during the march and he was left with fifty followers so far as he was concerned the movement was a failure still its preliminary success had aroused the slumbering elements of discontent on february twenty first revolution broke out at coruña and spread to ferrol and vigo when the count of san roman abandoned galicia without a struggle saragossa followed on march second the captain-general and garrison joining the magistrates and people when the news reached barcelona on march tenth the people rose and sacked the inquisition but did no injury to the officials within a few days tarragona gerona and Mataró followed the example the garrisons participating in the movement in navarre mina's account of the rising shows that there was pre-arrangement and that the municipal authorities and military officials were fully in accord when he reached pampeluna with a large force gathered on his way from the border he found that the revolution had already been peacefully accomplished on march eleventh meanwhile la Bizballe, seeing that the movement promised success spared no promises to obtain command of the forces concentrating in la mancha to put down riego's rising he received the appointment and on reaching ocagna he induced the regiment alejandro to cry viva la Constitución! the revolution was accomplished and was bloodless save a hideous massacre at cadiz of the unarmed multitude perpetrated in cold blood by don manuel Frere during the two months of this desultory movement which prompt action could so readily have suppressed the court was nerveless and incapable when the news came of the rising in galicia fernando issued february twenty eighth a plaintive appeal promising amendment his terror increased as evil tidings came pouring in and on march third he published a decree bewailing the state of the kingdom and announcing that he had ordered the council of state to prepare a comprehensive scheme of reform this was followed march sixth by another calling an immediate convocation of cortes it was too late he found himself abandoned by all even by his royal guard which general balesteros reported was planning to retire to buen retiro and send a deputation asking him to swear to the constitution this was decisive and on the night of the seventh he issued another decree announcing his intention to do so this was received on the eighth with popular rejoicings but as no further action was taken an impatient mob on the ninth surrounded the palace with seditious cries and threats the guard was impassive fernando was deserted and was absolutely alone when the crowd began to mount the stairs to demand that he should swear to the constitution but they were restrained on learning that he had ordered the reassembling of the ayuntamiento of madrid as it had existed under the constitution its members were got together and proceeded immediately to the palace where fernando received them with warm expressions of affection he took the required oath of his own free will and ordered balesteros to make the army do the same a general illumination and bell ringing for three nights were ordered and the people dispersed not however without first visiting the inquisition releasing the prisoners and scattering the archives only two or three prisoners were found and these were political rodrigo tells us that the mob wanted them to pose as victims of persecution but they prudently refused and a neighboring cobbler was persuaded to exhibit himself as the presiding figure of the celebration on the same day march ninth fernando issued a decree abolishing the inquisition this bore that as its existence was incompatible with the constitution of eighteen twelve for which reason it had after mature deliberation been suppressed by the cortes and in conformity with the opinion of the junta this day established he ordered that from this day the suprema and the inquisition be suppressed throughout the monarchy setting at liberty all prisoners confined for political or religious opinions and transferring to the bishops in their respective dioceses their cases to be determined in accordance with the decree of the cortes this was followed march twentieth by a royal order providing for inventories of all property pertaining to the inquisition and reviving the decree of february twenty two eighteen thirteen the bureau of public credit was to take possession of and administer the property until its destination should be determined by the cortes shortly to be assembled while the salaries of officials were to be continued when the cortes met a decree of august ninth included this with other escheated property to be sold at auction by the junta nacional de Crédito. during the slow progress of the revolution the inquisition seems to have been watching events with full consciousness of the fate in store for it if the movement should prove successful a letter of january nineteenth from the seville tribunal to the suprema states that it had delayed the arrests of the trinitarian fray juan montez and of don Tomas diaz in consequence at first of the epidemic and then of the insurrection to which the suprema replied january twenty fourth that it left future action to the prudence of the tribunal considering how feeble at the time was the demonstration of riego this shows that its ultimate consequences were fully apprehended still the inquisition continued at work but the last case acted upon by the suprema was its confirmation february tenth of a sentence rendered january twenty eighth by the toledo tribunal on manuel de la peña palacios priest of Ontoba, as the last act of the dreaded holy office after a career of three centuries and a half it has an interest beyond its inherent trivial character and it will be found in the appendix at least one liberated prisoner gave expression to his delight at his release don antonio bernabu a priest had been a member of the cortes of cadiz and had been arrested with the others in may eighteen fourteen but seems to have been released in about six months he was a jansenist of an extreme type and in eighteen thirteen had printed a pamphlet to prove that the state could seize all ecclesiastical property and reduce the overgrown numbers of the clergy putting those who were left on moderate salaries the tract was a terrible indictment of the church for its greed of accumulation its neglect of duty and its departure from the old standards in concentrating all power in the pope which he attributed to the isidorian decretals on his release from prison december fourteenth eighteen fourteen 1814, he hastened to denounce himself for this to the inquisition and was placed in reclusion in eighteen sixteen he denounced himself a second time for matters at first omitted the fiscal presented the accusation april eighteen seventeen, rather cleverly drawn for it demanded precise definition of his opinions on the wide range of subjects in which he charged the church with deviation from primitive times and specific proofs of his somewhat vague declamation as to abuses to satisfy this would require the resources of a large library and years of research while Bernabou was confined in a convent and was denied even a copy of his offending pamphlet besides being exposed to all manner of persecutions by his fellow inmates his trial was still pending when the decree of march ninth liberated him he was promptly returned as a deputy to the cortes of eighteen twenty and he celebrated his release by reprinting his pamphlet with an account of his sufferings and his answers to the charges of the fiscal End of section 78. Recording by Linda Johnson.